Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Time Out with Taco What's Next, where we speak to athletes and executives about how sport has made a difference and changed the course of their lives, plus the lessons they've learned in life outside of the game. I'm your host, Danielle Berman. I'm the founder of Taco What's Next, and we help athletes create impact outside of the game and have them help them find their purpose in life after sports. So thanks for taking a time out with us here at Taco What's Next. I know it's been a while since we've done one of these. We took a few weeks off for the Thanksgiving holiday and getting geared up for 2021, but we wanted to make sure we closed out our 2020 conversations with a really good one. So we are in for a treat today. We have John Register joining us today on Time Out. John Register is a Paralympic silver medalist. He's a Gulf War veteran. He's a TEDx speaker. Uh, He has worked as a global sports ambassador and has a company called Inspired Communications, where he helps teams understand their competitive advantage in times of adversity. John has an amazing story. I can't wait for you to hear more about his journey through sports, through learning, and and just really creating his positive mindset. So I see John's on. We're going to get right into this conversation, and I'm going to bring him on screen. Hi, John. How are you? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Good to see you, Dean. It's great to see you. Oh my goodness, how have things been? What have you been up to this oh, year? Well, like way too much. <laughs> <laughs> what a year! Yes. I mean, that's like the question of the year, right? Exactly. What have you been up to? Exactly. And and, and 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 depending upon how people's mindsets, right, is is how they will answer that question. So mm-hmm. some people say, you know, nothing really, kind of wait until things get back to normal. And other people are saying, oh my, I've been jamming, I've been crushing, I've been doing all these things. So I'm kind of on the other side, but I had these like three months of goose eggs uh, like in, in April, March, uh, April, May, and, and June. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it, was, it wasn't after that that I tried to get involved. It was actually during that time I wanted to show up in a, in a more authentic way. So what I've been doing, I, just, I recently just got back from uh, San Diego. I went out there because I knew because of the government, uh, the governor has shut that state down. Mm-hmm. I went out to go write a book. So I, I, I started putting a dent in a, another book. Yeah. So yeah, so I did. I did that. It's not completed, but uh, I wanted to, you know, try to make a dent. And then I've been doing a lot of online uh, speaking to a lot of different companies. Uh, it's been it's been really it's been really good because they have shifted to like a digital format and and uh, remote format. So that's been that's been great for for me and our company. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like everything you know speaking wise is virtual right now. So I'm guessing that's the big pivot that you had to make during the pandemic is instead of flying everywhere to do live speaking, it was virtually live. And that was a different adjustment. You might have extra hours in your day. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, you know, really, Danielle, what I what I what I found was, okay, yeah, everybody's gonna make this shift. But I was doing a lot of the things anyway. Yeah. So for example, when I would go out to make a presentation, I always did a pre event video. So a pre recorded video for the attendees so let them get a chance to know me before i even step in the room i would always show up early so i would you know i like now i come in early on a zoom call or on a microsoft teams call whatever the platform might be so we can have a conversation just like we were in the room before and then afterwards i would do a follow-up video for them so all those things stayed in place and i realized what i could do is instead of just doing those videos as hey welcome this is jr and i'm going to you know we're going to chat about this whatever topic we're going to talk about is I could actually pre-record some of my full content videos in snippets. Then we can go out to the park or another location 
have a, uh, they can watch that video, come back, we have a dialogue about that, expand that into the chat, uh, wow. or expand it into a breakout session, or expand it to something else. So it became, using kind of my, my um, communications background at when I graduated from the University of Arkansas, to really begin to look at how can I produce a show? Mm-hmm. And that began, that shifted my entire mindset around just, you know, oh man, we got to do another Zoom call. Well, they can be fun if you're engaging. If you can yeah. like this, get engaged, you know, and it really, not that you got to be hyper with it, but that we're, we're having a conversation, we're having a dialogue, we both feel connected to the conversation. Yeah, I love that because I feel like too, it's that like everyone's saying, oh, Zoom fatigue, Zoom fatigue. And sure, there's a lot of Zoom calls, right? But I think your, your point about if it's an engaging call, you're not going to be fatigued because of it. You're going to be right. excited. You're going to be like motivated because of Energized. content. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the, so that's like who you're hanging around, right? You, you don't hang around people that are just kind of dragging you down. <laughs> you want to stay around people that elevate you. Yes. And then maybe you have the strength and the capacity to help somebody else you know, through their, their challenges. Yeah, I love that. And I'm excited to hear that you've been able to really take that and run with it. And I'm sure a lot of people have benefited from like actually engaging and exciting Zoom calls and events with you. So that's awesome to hear. Yeah. You mentioned, so, you know, yeah. your experience at University of Arkansas, your communications background. Let's, let's go back even further. Yeah. When did you first experience sports? Why did you choose track and field? Like, what were those first oh, experiences for you? That's such a great question. Here's, here's why. Because as I was beginning to write out there in San Diego, I actually wanted to go to Kona, and I couldn't because of COVID, and I was going to be locked down for it. So I couldn't go. So I, I, I almost made it, but I made it to San Diego. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> to right. a cliff, and I stopped there. Uh, so the reason, the, the action, I, this is going to go in, the reason I chose, I, I didn't choose track and field. Okay. Somebody else chose track and field for me. Mm-hmm. I was an amazing, a very good baseball player. And two things happened in baseball that shifted me in, in this direction. One was I tried out for the Pony League. And I was cut from that tryout. Mm-hmm. But I had one of those stellar tryouts over the course of these three or four days. I was hitting everything, fielding everything, running, stealing bases, you know, throwing people out from center field. It was, I had a stellar tryout. My dad saw the entire thing. He's like, how could you get cut having this tryout? And I batted over 750, 800 in the junior wow. league right after that. So I, then I stole every base, stole home twice, threw two people out from center field to first base, right? So I was really a pretty good baseball player. I'm walking down the hall. This, that was eighth grade year. I'm walking down the hall my freshman year at Oak Park River Forest High School. And I'm, the baseball coach is coming towards me. And I'm like, I'm really excited because, you know, does he know me? I want to travel the team and all this stuff. I'm yeah. really excited about it. And long story short is he winds up pulling me to the side and tells me he's not going to select me for the team mm. without even looking, without even a tryout. Yeah. And he thinks, and, and he said some other, you know, kind of things of, was like, why would you even say that? But um, uh, so he kind of steered me to track and field. Mm. And, and then in track and field, when I started, you know, doing pretty well my freshman year and then got moved up to the, to the varsity team, uh, I saw that for the most part, the first person across the line wins. Mm-hmm. So there's no subjectivity to it. There's no, I, I think that you might be good and I, my bias is going to in, is, is going to always influence my decision on how good you are, even though I might show you a greater talent. So yeah, that's, so that's how I got into track and field. Yeah, I think that's a great point is you think about a sport like track and field, you know, you either win or you don't. There's right. a referee <laughs> saying, oh, no, no, this is a bad call or this. It's like they cross the line first they win like that it's that simple so i love that you know that's the subjectivity is removed and it must have been tough to hear that 
you know, a sport that you really loved and you were really good at, you weren't going to get a shot. So that, that leads me to another, you know, kind of yeah. unexpected ending for you is when you experienced your injury and, you know, this is as you're competing, you know, to in track and field at the highest level, like, how do you recover from these, you know, really like, this is it, your moment's over and, and it was out of your control completely. Like, how do you recover from that? Uh, that's a great question. And I, I really believe it's, it's, it's the mindset that we go in with it. Mm -hmm. um, are we going to go in with a deficit mindset? And I'm not saying that, you know, it's an easy process. What I am saying is that the mindset that we take into these conversations or into these experiences is, uh, I, I share it with my audiences now, is what, what is the atmosphere that you have when you enter into an environment? Mm -hmm. So think about NASA. They train in a pool to do maneuvers in space. In both atmosphere, it is illegal for the human body to operate without an atmosphere that you take with you, pumping yeah. in oxygen all the time. So if we take that analogy into any circumstance that we might have or event, what is the oxygen or the suit or, or the, that we're pumping into our suit that's gonna have us stay sane in a shifted environment, right? Mm -hmm. When our environment shifts. So we see COVID happen and people lost their minds, right? Yeah. I mean, people were like, I gotta buy the toilet paper. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, you know, stockpile food because we're fearful of things that we think we thought we could control. Mm -hmm. The second thing, you know, then we move on to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Maud Aubrey. Yep. And we, and we think we knew everything that we knew. So some people, that's where they came into this conversation. And, and African American was like, this has been going on for 40 years. Right. What are you talking about? Well, thanks for catching up, right? Yeah. So we have, and some people lost their oxygen around that. Then we have a political election, very contentious. People lost their oxygen on both sides of the aisle around that. My way is the only way and the only way to see it. And if you don't see it, you are horrible, yeah. right? So that is, we, we've lost our oxygen. So we have to begin to breathe that oxygen back. And I, I believe in getting to your question is going into that, environment what is the oxygen you're taking with you for me it was i had a very strong faith in, in god christ and that was what went into it that didn't negate anything of me going through the experience at all it's just the mindset was different mm -hmm. of going through that 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 time period yeah and it's almost like and i think that's a great you know tie into the experiences you've learned from playing sports that you've carried throughout because yeah. i that almost reminds me of like that resiliency of okay, I have to bounce back, right? I have to, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, and keeping it, like you have to learn from that experience and be able to, as you said, find mm -hmm. something you can carry with you or that you can keep you motivated, whatever that is. So sure. is, is that the biggest thing you've taken from sports? What are some other things that you're still, you know, using today in your life that sports has taught you? I think the bounce back is uh, like other things. I always look at things with a little different lens. <laughs> so uh, I was just on a bounce back summit last night <laughs> on, on a, this, on a, in Asia, right? I was on a talk. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't necessarily agree with bouncing back because, and here's why. Mm -hmm. uh, if a, a rubber band is stretched and snaps back to its original shape, we think that's resilience, right? Or we pull it and it comes back resilient. So we think we throw a ball against a wall, it comes back to our hand, it's the bounce back. We can throw it down harder and it bounces higher. But in my case, the rubber band broke. Mm -hmm. In my case, when I threw it against the wall, the, the, the ball broke, it, it deflated. Yeah. So how do we get that? How's that mindset come? So I think what's going on is inside of our mind in that situation, uh, in that um, the, the space that we're in in that time, 
we have a, a, a level of resilience that we've already is baselined us. And now we need to grow that muscle. Mm. We have to begin elevating. So in the hurdles, there are 10 hurdles in a hurdle race and there are 10 letters in the word resilience. And if you break all the letters down, I have a, I have a word for each one of the yeah. letters. So it's an, as an acronym, I won't go into all of them, but the first one is R. And R stands for, for me, what is the ritual that I have in place that's going to lead me to a rhythm and that rhythm qualifies me or just gets me in a, in a space where I could actually rise. Mm. So rhythm, uh, ritual to rhythm, rhythm to rise. And so that's what I think about when I think about resilience is this rise piece. But the S stands for two things for me. The first is what story am I telling myself? Am I telling myself a negative story? Mm -hmm. If so, why am I telling myself this negative story? Yeah. Or am I telling myself a positive story? Because I can choose which way to go. In fear, fear hasn't materialized. It's what we think about. And so if we're focused on the fear and the negativity, that's how we're going to show up. But yeah. I can choose to think about something positive. Yes. But also in resilience is the S. The other part of the S, I think, is also the word silence. Because embedded in that 10-letter word resilience is the word silence. Yeah. How do we meditate? How do we show up with our own voice and our own voice first? And so what I was learning, what I continue to learn, what I always learn is, A, when that experience happened with that coach that came down the hallway, is I'm never going to coach in that way. Mm. Every kid gets a shot. Yeah. Every person. And that, I don't care if that's my work life or my coaching life, everybody gets a shot because everybody brings something unique to the table. And I have my little, you know, my little thing, you know, I have my uh, card. I, I'm trying to look at it. You know, I'm a maximizer. I'm a woo. I'm a, you know, a developer. All these things that we have with strength finders. And I look at those really deeply because I don't want to put people on my team that have the same thing that I have. Yeah. I want to find compliments to that because it makes my team stronger. And so I don't, I don't want to be in the, you know, my computer looking at trying to figure out if, if my calendar works. You know, and, I, and I'm going to cross it. No, that's, that's a waste of my time mm -hmm. because I'm not good at it. And I've got to, I've got to take myself away from something to really put effort and focus on that. When yeah. I can just, you know, hire a brilliant assistant and she loves doing that stuff. Yeah. I mean, she's really good. And uh, so she, she gets all that. And she gets all of what, um, you know, putting together the, the contact resource management because mm -hmm. she is very detailed oriented. And then I have another two people on the website, right? So yeah. one person who's a, a lady and another person is a guy. They work as a tandem, as, as a team. And they, you know, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to tell them what to do. Yeah. You didn't tell me what, the, that's your job. You tell me what, what, where my website should be. Why should these interfaces yeah. all work? So that's how we build our structures and our teams together. Mm -hmm. Not with people that look like us and going to yes us all the time. Right. And are too afraid to say anything to mm -hmm. us. No. We yep. have to have people on our team that are going to elevate. Well, and I love that, that one, the idea of resilience is not, I like that you counter that. It's not bouncing back. It's, it's completely different. It's about, like you said, what's getting you the ritual that's getting you through, that's helping you move forward. Mm -hmm. And I think to your point about building a team, I think a lot of times we look for people that are going to support us, right? That are going to say, this is the way you're right. Great job. Keep going. And we really need to look for those people that say, you know what? No, that's not right. I, I know how to do this. Let me do it. So it's almost operating in your area of strength. Like you said, right. You don't, if you're not a detailed person, don't run your own calendar. If you're not, I don't want to be better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
exactly like let somebody else who's that's their genius that's their unique brilliance let them take that so i think that's great advice just to know your strengths and know your weaknesses and be like i will delegate right. my weaknesses to those who love it because that'll make you so much better off in the long run and it'll help your clients i mean yeah. because you don't want to spend the time and stuff that you don't do so when anybody's asking me for a calendar request no you need to go tracy yeah because I'm going to screw it up. I, yeah. I, and I have, right? I double book stuff all the time. Right, right? Exactly. Time zones and all sorts of stuff. It's too much for me. Yeah. You know, I can do it. I'm not saying I can't do it, mm -hmm. but it takes a lot of effort for me to do it. And I don't want to burn that effort when I can be focused on what I do better. Exactly. And I was, I was about to say, I want to know, why did you decide you have a sports communications background? You've worked as a global sports ambassador. Now you're, you're, speaking all over the world and you have inspired communications what prompted you to go that route when did you decide okay i'm going to share my story my experience and help motivate others to create great teams and and challenge adversity in their own communities and their own corporations uh so two answers to that question i i actually started inspired communications way back when i was working for united states army okay uh, and so I was, it was like 1997, probably before you were born. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I was alive. <laughs> <laughs> I was so in 97, I started and it was tier missions, total army involvement in recruiting. I would do a little kind of dog and pony show. I had, I bring athletes on that I was responsible for in the, in the army. Um, and they would come on board, uh, and they would do these, these missions, right? So they would try to get troops and boots with recruiters. Uh, the recruiters asked me, hey, you know, who was the one-legged guy that was up there telling these stories? We want to get him back. I said, well, that was me. So, okay, well, how much do you charge for that? I said, oh, you can get paid to do this? So I said, I'll get back with you on that one. So that's kind of how this, the speaking began. I would tell a humor story or a quip or a poem. And so that was kind of one. And, and years later, about, uh, oh, probably 2012, I want to say, uh, I was kind of doing these hit and misses, maybe five or six a year, and I'd just go out and do, do that. But I would never tell my story. It was, I, would, I would just kind of, I would let a video do it or something else, and I, but I would never tell it. When I got serious about it and I started telling my own story, I, be, I began to really see the power of how a story can release others mm -hmm. to, to grow in that space. And that sparked in me kind of this nurturing, coaching, development side of me that was like not really dormant but that's i knew that's what i i do right it was like that's what i do that's i coach i, I do this and, and this is this is who i am yeah. and so that really drove me so it wasn't necessarily revenue it wasn't anything like that it was all about creating impacts in the lives of others so they could they could blow up they could they could engage my greatest my greatest joy is when i see somebody actually learn and then elevate in their own space. I love seeing people do that. That just floats my boat. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's kind of the part one. The part two of that question is an understanding, you know, when I started working for, after I started with the, um, with the, um, uh, the Community and Family Supports in the U.S. Army, I started working for the United States Olympic Committee and built out a couple programs. One was the uh, United States Olympic Committee's uh, Paralympic Military Sport Program which service wounded ill and service members for, with tools for rehabilitation using sport. Got Melissa Stockwell now. She's, she's a part of that program that came out. Rico Roman was a part of that program. So he came out of that. So a lot, a lot of others. Uh, and then it turned into Warrior Games and, and Invictus Games. So that's kind of, that was that piece. And in that, I was introduced to um, 
the American Association for People with Disabilities. Mm. In building that program, I won this award and this whole other world opened up to me. And I began to see greatly the power of sport, not only from the Paralympic side, but what happens like a, when a Nelson Mandela uses sports to change the minds of an entire nation. Yeah. And that just blew my mind. Uh, and so I, wa I wanted a part of that to grow even greater. And in my capacity, in the role I was in, it just wasn't going to do that. So I began at nighttime working on this uh, inspired communications to do that. Uh, and so now it's, it's grown into a business, not just on the, the sports side of the house, mm -hmm. but actually helping uh, business professionals to hurdle their adversity, amputate their fear, embrace this new normal mindset to win the medals in their life. And that's been global. I mean, it's just, it's just when I did that for the first year in 2019, I said I was going to have a year of listening. Where I said in silence, I mean, in resilience is silence. So I sat for a year, just listened. I sat quiet. And at the end of that year, a client hired me just to listen for five days to a leadership conference and give a one-hour summary of what I heard, encapsulating my story. At that same conference, a brilliant guy who, who has, is over like Kellogg's and has got a couple schools, and he's built businesses and sold businesses. So he comes up to me and says, that is the top one person I've seen anybody do. Wow. Totally unexpected. It was not, I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for a re you know, because people will tell you yeah. <laughs> whether you want to know it or not, they're going to they're tell you, right? Yeah, exactly. So this was, can I give you a bit of feedback, right? So that's what he says. Oh, okay, right. So I'm, I'm like one, in, I'm in that mode, right? So, and then he tells me this, and he tells me why, and he's used me several times to come teach mm -hmm. in his classroom environment. He yeah. said, because the way you're putting things together, the way you see resilience, the way you see bounce, all these things, this is just different level because you've got lived experience in it and you see it from a very different vantage point of just the academia side of the house. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And you touched on two things that I want to wrap up with as we close yeah. out this conversation. One, you mentioned the different lens just now of how you see a lot of these challenges. Is that from your athletic experience overcoming Adversity, obviously your unique experiences, you've overcome so much, but I think, you know, and, and like you said, it's that silence, that listening, that learning, that bringing that with you. But do you see it differently because you, in addition to that, because of your athlete experience, because you've seen it outside of a corporate world where it's, it's mm -hmm. competition, it's, it's that edge and trying to beat the other person, you know, best man wins or best woman wins. Yeah. I, I think that I think that's fair. I think it's part of it. I don't think it's the entire thing. And right. here's why is because when I was in high school and I was doing this when I was writing too, is not only was I doing sport, but I also was doing music, mm. playing cello, singing, barbershop quartets, quintets, all these things. So I had kind of this dual lens as well as I wanted to be in acting as well. I wanted to I wanted to do some of that. So I had these three kind of things that were going. And because I was, you know, picking up a little bit in each one of them, I think was rounding me out mm. to this person that could see things very differently. Even in my presentations, I, I, I rarely use, if I'm talking to sports people, I'll use a music example. If I'm talking to music, I'll use a sports example. But, you know, so it's all these things coming in that we begin to use. And so it, I see it from, you know, different vantage points. And I think that's, that's good because mm -hmm. it shows the diverse the diversity can work for us, right? You know, I think you know all those you know even Pierre de Coubertin who founded the Olympic movement, right? The, all those all those folks, guys in this case, um, 
they weren't even sports people, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they were all science and, you know, humanitarians and uh, yeah. none of them were really sports people. Right. Well, and I, I love that you hinted on the fact that you had other interests and it wasn't just, I'm going to be all in on sports, all in on track and field. It was, well, this was a part of me, but I also had these other aspects of who I was. And right. I think that's, that's the other thing I wanted to just have you touch on is the identity piece is so big for athletes when they retire or transition. So how can athletes identify that impact piece that you mentioned earlier? Like a lot of times you need something purposeful to go into after you leave a career that you've loved for so long. So how, how can athletes find that new identity? If maybe they weren't like you and had these other interests they were curating, how, what's your advice to them to find this other identity and, and how can they actually make an impact like you are to help inspire other mm -hmm. people to, to have more you know, engaged and exciting lives as well? I know it's a big question, but. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, big question. How much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> I'll try to be short. Uh, and we can, maybe we can have another dialogue conversation. Yeah, we can send people someplace and we, maybe we can have something else. Um, the, the short answer is if you haven't engaged in something else, do so. I mean, whatever that passion that you have is, get involved. I don't know what it is, but, but just do it, um, as, a, as a Nike slogan says. Um, the, the, sec the second thing is I had a great question come up from, I went to a veteran entrepreneurship leadership uh, kind of entrepreneurship course. And a woman, her name is Pat Enriquez, <laughs> comes in the class. She's a little tiny thing, right? And she says, what's the most important business question you need to ask yourself? I don't know, customers, uh, revenue. I don't, I don't know. We're all, we all have the wrong answer, according to her. Then she says, the most important business question to ask yourself is how are you going to depose of, get rid of, close up the shop after you're successful? Mm. I said, wow, that blew my mind. I mean, that I've chewed on that thing for like six months because that just opened my mind up for so many other things. And, and so to kind of not just crush the analogy, but um, right now, athletes out there, you need to be thinking about, even when you get into the career, what's your exit strategy? Mm -hmm. What's your next, even as you are competing? Because too many times I, I have found, you know, coaching Olympians and Paralympians and how to speak professionally and, and how to get your signature story and, and how to, to make impacts. And it's just not about you, but how you're impacting the audience. I have found that most are not thinking about the exit strategy. Yeah. They're not thinking about the next thing that's coming up. Uh, and because of that, we suffer. We think it's taboo. This is going to take away from me and my training. Mm -hmm. But my coach always told me everything you do, John, is training. Every single thing you do is training. That needs to be a part of it. Yeah. Because if you are just holding on, you're going to, you know, and I get it. I get the cycles that go and you just burn out from sport. And after you, you finish up an Olympic Games or Paralympic Games, you just want to get away from it. But guess what happens two years later? When yep. the games start coming, I think I can go another again. I think I want to, I'm going to tune it back up again. Exactly, exactly. So we, we're seeing these, you know, so we're seeing fights. We're seeing, we're seeing uh, Mike Tyson, you know, and he's, he's 80 years old. <laughs> you know? and, and so how do we know that it's okay to be thinking about our exit strategy? Mm -hmm. And what we want to do next? Because that, what that does, it begins to set us up as we're going through. One yep. of the, 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 the one piece of advice I've always given to co collegiate athletes or to um, uh, uh, Olympic class athletes, Paralympic athletes, soldiers as well, but primarily the athlete side that think they're going to go you know, on to 
um, you know, big, big and better things as far as the athleticism is great. I, I love that. You know, that's, I want you to do it because this is your hater. You get a small window of time yeah. to operate. And I want you to do that. But as you're going along the way, who are the people that you're meeting? Yeah. Who are the people that you're meeting that, that are in your, uh, so maybe you were, you were in marketing when you were going to, to college. So when you meet those individuals and you get in the room with them, it's not have a conversation with them about uh, your athleticism because that's what they want to know. Have a conversation with them about, you know, what was the thing that, you know, that you went through yeah. to get you to this? How did you have to kind of fight? What were the, some of the, the hurdles and obstacles that you, you had? So now you flip it to a really, so the conversation, the, the things they want to ask you, you ask them those questions. And yeah. they said, well, who's your marketing person? I would really love to pick their brain about, you know, what were the steps that they took to, to follow that career path? And now you are engaging in a conversation and taking this with you and you're beginning to build. Yeah. The other piece of advice, we'll give you one more piece, this is gold. I love when it. We travel internationally, or we used to travel internationally. <laughs> when you're traveling international, the, our U.S. consulates and U.S. State Department have um, our, our embassies. Make sure you're connecting with that embassy before you go because you can actually go over there and have a conversation with their, um, their team members mm. who are usually people that want to learn English. You, you tell a story, you tell your thing, and now you get to put on your LinkedIn profile that you're number one international speaker, you're a global ambassador, you're a sports envoy, and that helps you to when you come back into the workplace to jump the peers that weren't yeah. in there. Yeah, so those are kind of things I teach um, athletes to do, and, and, and uh, if that's golden, we can, we can talk about how we can, <laughs> you can do more of that. <laughs> that's incredible and i i love your idea of it's it's that exit strategy because it's gonna happen right whether it's unexpected or whether it's expected it's happening um right. you should be prepared for how you're gonna leave it and so i think that's a great place for us to to pause i'll say pause our conversation because like you said we'll find a way to, to continue this because you, you have such great advice such a great story we, i wish we could keep going but i've already taken 30 minutes of your time that's okay <laughs> my last question for you is how can people connect with you follow you engage with you hire you for a virtual speaking event in the next few weeks or in 2021 um just let us know where to find you yeah, the easiest place, I, my website is johnregister.com, johnregister.com. It's common spelling, J-O-H-N-R-E-G-I-S-T-E-R. Uh, and so if you go there, it has all my kind of LinkedIn stuff, all, all, my, all my stuff. Um, but I think we're, we're changing the website over. They said they're not going to mess with it until they get the new web, website up. I don't know if that happens. I don't know how all, all that stuff works. Like I said, it's not my area. It's not my back. <laughs> But there's, I have this, this uh, I always give away this pathway. It's this, this uh, I've worked on this because everybody asked me, well, how'd you overcome the adversity? And I say, I didn't. I didn't overcome the adversity because had I overcome the amputation of my left leg, I'd have my leg back. Right. So, so there's this pathway I, I, I began to really work on. And it's, it's, I don't think it's all the way there, but it's really, it's really close. And I talk about these redefining moments, but I'm not going to go the whole thing now. But if you want it, if you want a free download of it, it's, it's at um, amputatefear.com, amputatefear.com. And then I have more conversation in my Facebook group, which is the same Amputate Fear, but it's, uh, what is it? I think it's facebook.com slash groups with an S and then Amputate Fear. You can, you can get in that group. And we just have, we have like 250 people in there. We're just trying to grow it and, yeah. and just have conversations, real, real talk conversations. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much for taking some time and taking the time out with us tonight. This was so great to connect and hear what you've been up to this past year. I hope everyone that's watching live and that'll check this out later. You got a lot out of this. There's a lot of great pieces of advice here. So be sure to follow John, check out his website, check out amputatefear.com and his Facebook group. And thanks again, John, for being here and your support of, of Tackle What's Next. We Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for, for hosting. Awesome. All right. We'll see you soon, John. Thanks again, everyone. Okay. And happy Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Time Out with Tackle What's Next. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you learned a lot from our awesome guest. Don't forget, you can subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It really helps us reach even more incredible listeners. And make sure you share this episode with a friend who you think would love this conversation and learn a lot. Thank you to Danielle Parr and Ethan Kenny from Team Tackle What's Next for their help editing and creating this series. And we'll see you next time for another Time Out with Tackle What's Next.